Hi fam, and welcome to a Sober Girls podcast. I'm your host, Sherry, and I have been sober for 11 years, and through that time have been through my own ups and downs, not only with staying sober, but also learning to live life on life's terms. If you are listening to this, then you have previously or are currently struggling and are ready to take certain steps to get better. Alcoholism has affected each of us differently, but we all have the same stories, what we used to be like, what happened, and what we are like now. You are ready to make a change in your life, and we are glad to have you here. This community is one of strength, commonality, and inclusion. The only way we stay sober is to help the suffering alcoholic and addict, and I am ready to take you on that journey with me. So let's get started. Hello! What's up, fam? I hope you had a good rest of your week and things were beautiful for you over the weekend and you got some rest. I personally have been doing a ton of self-care and I am so thankful for it. I actually have my social media manager taught me how to schedule things on social media so that I can just focus on interacting with everybody and it has taken so much off my plate and my editor and producer Jake has really like gone above and beyond and due to the fact that we both have different things we're dealing with in our lives we've decided to kind of amp up the recording and so we (laughs) we are trying to get a couple of different episodes produced so that we can just have them scheduled So while we've been trying to get ahead, it's actually been better for us because in the end, it gives us a better quality product, it gives us more time, gives us an opportunity to actually talk to you, be involved with our families. It's just been so much better. It's amazing. First of all, how much social media can suck the life out of you when you're trying to incorporate three or four different things and how much easier life is when you ask for help. And I, uh, I definitely have been enjoying asking for help because I have had the opportunity to take a look at myself and see how truly, truly stubborn I am. And that was a part of a topic a couple of weeks ago in AA, not during the meeting, but afterwards, I finally had to, I chair my meetings And I also do the coffee in the morning, which I absolutely love, you guys. I I love it because it's my opportunity to do service work. But because I say yes all the time and I do it all the time, I actually end up being the fall person. And I don't resent it. It doesn't create any resentment. But because of my health, there are times where I'm exhausted and I would just love to sleep in for an extra hour before going to the meeting. So we had a group quorum and a home group quorum and I was able to ask for help and get some help for February and March and I'm so excited and I'm looking forward to not making coffee and chairing once a month and still being involved by being a member on the board and making sure that we have the chips and the posters and the coffee and things like that. I'm also the treasurer. So it's not for lack of not having things to do. It'll just be nice that that's, again, one other thing that I can take off my plate. And I've been so proud of myself for taking that time and also asking for help. So it has lessened my stress. It has lessened Uh, my anxiety, and also my exhaustion, which I am very, very thankful for. And I know last week we had discussed relapse dreams and possibly what they could 
be from, whether they're from, you know, running into someone that made us nostalgic or it came out of the blue from nothing or, you know, there's so many different things that we don't think of in our subconscious. And one thing that I had touched on was there's times where I am afraid of going to sleep and having a relapse dream. And that's, I wanted to talk a little bit more about that for a few minutes before I talked about the actual topic, because I don't think that I talked about that enough. I am not afraid to go to sleep. Number one, my insomnia has nothing to do with fear um, of having relapse dreams. My insomnia is associated simply with my medications that I'm on. I have one to wake me up, one to help me go to the bathroom, one to put me to sleep. I mean, there I am on a myriad of things. And so I don't want you thinking if you have a relapse dream that you have to be afraid to go to sleep. Um, and I felt really bad about that. And I just wanted to address that. I do think some things do happen in relapse dreams and we do think about on a daily basis is what happened to us, what we were like, and what we're like now, right? So again, it's not out of the realm of possibility to have a relapse dream because we do have a past, right? We do have a past that we have to confront. But promise number three states that we will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. And I think that is really important, you guys, because there's been something that's come up this past week. I was actually talking with my spouse and parenting reared its ugly head. And I'm sure some of you can understand how stressful parenting can be, um, especially for non-biological parents. If you are a bonus parent, there are added stressors to being that bonus parent, right? Because you still want the best for your kid. And you still want the best for everybody. And it really made me start thinking about fear, right? We There's so many things that we are fearful of. And I know for me, one thing that I'm absolutely afraid of is I'm no longer afraid of my past, right? You guys know so much about me that my past, I'm not afraid of. But there are things in my past that make me afraid of the future. And I am raising a 15-year-old male. And considering I have had a very traumatic history with males, my biggest fear as a parent is that I will raise him the best I can and he will still carry out some of those acts, some of those things that I experienced, you know, so that's, that's one of my biggest, my biggest fears. And it makes me think of what happened to me when I was 20 years old and I was raped. And I live with the actual fear of not being raped, right? Every day. (laughs) I'm not saying that's an abnormal fear. If that is something that you are traumatized with, and I understand that, and it's something you're afraid of every single day, I completely empathize with you, and my heart goes out to you. For me, the fear is not of the rape itself. It's the fear of men. It's the fear of being not alone with men. Not alone with men. I think that will always kind of be there, But it's not the alone part that I'm worried about or that I'm fearful of. The part that I'm fearful of 
is what can they do to harm me? That's the fear. The fear is I know that I have been harmed in my past by a man. Therefore, this man can harm me. I am five foot one and a quarter. That quarter matters. It is not much even though I've gained some weight for someone larger than me to take hold. And so not shutting the door on my past is very important. Because if I shut the door on my past and I go, God, thank God that's over. And I suppress it and push it down. Not only does that make me completely ignorant and not working my program properly, but it also makes it harder for me to truly have respect for myself. And when you become complacent, that's when things happen. Just because your past is a past does not mean that you just go, gosh, I'm glad that's over. That'll never happen again. Um, Lightning doesn't always strike in the same place twice, but when it does, it does. So I wanted to talk a little bit about fear because fear is one of the biggest reasons, not only that we drink, but also because we relapse, right? In the big book, it says that we are driven by a hundred forms of fear. It's an evil corroding thread. It's not phobias, but the fear driven by our instinctual needs. When we act out of fear, it's commonly due to one of our three basic needs being threatened. Those fears are security, social, and sexual instincts. So for me, that fear is the sexual fear, right? You want to feel loved and wanted sexually. You heard me a couple of weeks talk about how I had kind of swanned into this different female by my early mid-20s. And all of a sudden, I was finally something that men were and was attracted to, right? I finally had a pretty face, a good body, and I definitely had a good personality. That is one thing that has never changed. But because of that, I had so many partners, right? Because I needed to feel validated. I needed to feel good. I needed to know that I was loved. And you know that I was not faithful to my first husband. There's, again, I'm going to reiterate this. I was not faithful to him. There is no excuse for it. It was a response to an abusive relationship and emotional abuse and the way he spoke to me. And I think at one point I just finally decided that he was no longer emotionally validating me or physically validating me. And so I stepped outside the marriage. That again is not an excuse. However, that was my response to trauma. So in order for me to feel loved or validated, I stepped outside the relationship. So for me, that put me in a really bad position because it did lead to unwanted sexual encounters. Earlier in my 20s, outside of um, being married, it led to being raped. And so it doesn't matter what the sexual part of the fear is. The fear is that I am unattractive. The fear is that I am 
not loved and not wanted. And so I will go out and either find it or use to make myself feel better. So that is one type of fear that really drives us in our sobriety is being good enough, which is also leading to a social fear, right? Fitting in. I acted out of fear to feel like I belonged. It was not necessarily always peer pressure, but it was my pressure wanting to fit in with my peers. I did drugs to fit in and I drank to fit in. I wore skimpy clothes to fit in. Lately in my sobriety, it's been I've changed my ideals or acted a certain way to fit in. And I finally have gotten to the place where I am afraid, no longer afraid, sorry, I'm no longer afraid to stand on my own. I am so much happier with who I am and who I have become that I no longer fear fitting in. I'm awkward anyway, so of course I'm going to wonder a little bit if people like me, but first chance I have to meet them. After that, I kind of just, whatever, if you like me, you like me, you don't, you don't. And it's taken me a long time to get there. Security is another thing, right? We want to feel secure, have food, have water, have shelter. And those are things that I never really kind of thought about because I had all those things while I was using. I had all those things while I was drinking. But at the same time, when I left my spouse, I left a very large income And so I had to make it on my own and I had to pay for things on my own for a little bit. So I did have to go back on food stamps, which shocker, yes, they let me do that. Um, (laughs) Thank God for adjudicated charges. But I did have to use the food bank. I did have to use those things, those payment programs. And it was really, that is a big fear of mine is not being able to provide. But for me, that fear of providing. I know if I have faith in God and I work my program and I do the things I'm supposed to do, that fear will actually subside as well. So what are some other forms of fear, right? Let's talk about this like you are a part of this conversation. Fear. What are other fears? For me, outside of the fear of males or being dominated, used, hurt, Another fear I asked one person, and I'm not going to name them because I didn't ask permission and I wish I would have, is I asked him what his fear was and he said physical pain. And that's a very real thing, you guys. I, I had physical pain outside of my, outside of my hysterectomy surgery and I didn't get addicted to opioids because I was no longer in pain. Like once you've had an organ removed, um, something small and fleshy like that, um, there's really no pain that you associate with anything. It's not like a back pain or knee pain. And you see a lot of athletes that actually get addicted to opioids, right? Because they have issues with their backs, their shoulders, their joints. And it's not far out of the realm of possibilities for them to get addicted to pain pills to keep them from being in pain. So there's a reliance on those medications 
because there is a relief there, right? That is a very real thing. I think fear of pain, no matter what kind of pain, right? Physical pain from medically a a surgery or a disability, pain from heartbreak, um, a really bad relationship. I know that I have a fear of being emotionally hurt again. What are some other fears out there? You know, that is not something that is abnormal. The point is, is that if we allow our fear to take hold, if we allow that fear to really grasp us and allow the fear to help us play the tapes in our head over again. You're not good enough. Alcohol says you can't make it without me. If you just have one pill, all the pain will go away. When I had my headache a couple of weeks ago, I was given a narcotic, right? And because I was in so much pain when I took that narcotic, oh my God, you guys, oh, it was like heaven. And that scared me, right? Because for a minute it was fun, but then I realized as I like kind of came to after the initial wave of medication hit that there's a real possibility that if I'm not well aware of what's going on, that I could go downhill. And so that was a real eye opener for me. Yes, obviously I needed it at that time. And obviously it felt really good because it was a relief and I was in so much pain. I did not want to be in pain like that again. But the good thing is, is that one, it was monitored. Two, I had made people aware that I was taking it. And three, I, when I woke up and I was no longer in pain, the drive for it was no longer there. And I'm not saying that everybody's pain goes away without the narcotics. I know that. I absolutely know that there are people out there with chronic pain. I am on a nerve control medication, so I don't feel my nerve pain. I don't know what it would be like if I went off of it. I certainly don't want to know. The good thing is, is that it's non-narcotic. But there is that real fear for us of feeling pain and we just don't want to. We would rather have that relief. And so, you know, that's a really big thing in our sobriety is being well, well aware of our fears. Okay, let's talk about societal fears, shall we? Let's talk about the big, big elephant in the room. Let's talk about COVID-19. This is a real fear. The virus is here. It is not a hoax. It was handled improperly. Yes, the government sucks. Yes, people suck. Yes, everything about it sucks, right? I almost lost one of my best friends to it. My mom has had it. My best, best friend had it. And my sister and, oh my God, like, I don't think I've known anybody that hasn't (laughs) had it and I have not had it yet. But it's a real fear, right? Especially when it first came around. When we went home on March 19th, 2020, did we think we would be here? Nope. We did not think that we would be here. And that fear of the unknown, that fear of societal downfall, can also turn into an economic fear, right? So all of a sudden jobs are 
letting people go because they don't have the money or they don't need the manpower or they're working um, less and less. There are lots of different reasons why the fear of the unknown, whether it's pandemic related, relationship related, job related, there are so many unknowns that we have in our lives. Are we going to get the virus or are we going to give it to someone that we don't know we have it because we're not showing anything? So that's a real fear, you guys. That is a psychological fear that I feel and I have seen it takes some great holds on people. And it, you guys, it breaks my heart. Oh my God, there are some people, you guys, that still have not left their homes. That still wear two and three masks to go outside if they go outside. There are people that won't go into restaurants or grocery stores. And there's a difference, you guys, between being absolutely careful and a little bit OCD and then neurotic. I am so sad for the people that live their lives in so much fear of this virus that they don't live. I am not saying don't be afraid. I am not saying don't have a healthy respect and understanding and fear of this virus. But please, if you are so handicapped by your fear and you are at least sober, please go get some help. Please go see someone because living a life like that is not good for you. It's so unhealthy. It's so sad, you guys. I don't want you to be living your life in a what if. That what if, that unknown, that fear. Those are things that lead us to drink. Those are things that lead us to use because you just want to disappear. You want to forget that pain. You want to forget that that's going on. And I understand that. Let me tell you what I get it. I get that you no longer want to live in fear. I get that you no longer want to think about what's going on. You just want some relief. And I understand that. But if you are paralyzed or hindered in life by any fear, truly any fear, then please get some outside help. Because I did not think that in this state with vaccinations and boosters and things of that nature that people were still that afraid of this and I think honestly it's not because it's just a virus I think it's because it was so poorly mishandled and unfortunately we live in a society where we are placed into a position where we are driven by fear there are so many big entities out there that make us so fearful that we cannot truly just live happy. So if there are things that you are so afraid of that it is handicapping you, please talk to someone. Please get some help because you deserve a better life. I don't care if it's economic fear, if it's sexual fear, social fear. Um, it's not phobias, you guys. It's the fears that are breaking you down that don't allow you to live life on life's terms. And I know that Roosevelt even said, we have nothing to fear, but fear itself. And I never used to really, it's not that I didn't understand that quote. I just don't think that for me, I really 
paid much attention to it. I was like, oh, you got nothing to fear but fear itself. And it wasn't until I really got sober and started working my program that I really realized that the only thing we truly have to fear is fear itself. Like if we allow things to turn into fear, then our soul is sick, right? Our soul is sick. Our soul is hurting. And what happens when we are sick? Things start to fall apart, right? And we have a fear that we are A, never going to be good enough, or that B, things are never going to resolve, or C, that we are never going to be loved, or D, that we can ever go outside. There's all these things that fear continues to control, and you can't have faith and fear together, okay? You have to have one, and you have to have the other, or you have to have the other. That's it. That's it. You cannot have faith and fear living in the same house. So if you are focusing on the fear, that means you are not focusing on your faith. You're not finding that spiritual awakening. You are not finding that inner security, that inner serenity, that healthy outlook on life because you're not allowing your program to work because you think you know best. You are trying to run your own program and that underlying fear of nothingness commences to subside the minute our faith grows. Okay? The antidote for fear is a spiritual awakening. The antidote to feeling scared and alone is a spiritual program a God of your understanding. And it's not always easy, right? I am not sitting here saying, oh gosh, I got over my fears. You guys should be able to do it too. No, that's not the point. The point is, is that fear is a real option, right? But remember when I said two or three weeks ago that you have, you, you get to make your own decisions, right? And so you get to decide if fear or faith is going to live in your house. And it's not going to be easy, especially if you are so apprehensive about something. It's not going to be easy, but that's what the program is here for, right? We need our sponsors. We need our meetings. We need our counselors. We need our pastors or our faith leaders. And once we are able to find the freedom from our fear, we can have the courage and the grace to deal with whatever fear remains. I am not saying that I don't have fears, you guys. I am validating your fears. I am validating that fear of being homeless, that fear of being divorced, that fear of living on your own, that fear of running into your ex or not having enough money, not feeling loved, getting the virus, losing a friend, losing your lover, losing your parents. I am not saying that those fears can't be real. But when you focus on the fear, that's where you get into your tapes and your anxiety. And then you're looking for that next, that first, not even that next, that that first drink to numb the pain, to numb the fears, to quiet the brain. Because who really enjoys the committee? Do you enjoy the committee? I hate the committee. I absolutely hate them. I am 95% sure I have the dumbest committee in the world from some of the things that they try and tell me that I absolutely need to do. And 
when I allow that committee to start talking or, you know, the tapes to replay, it allows me to be fearful. And then I start, I start getting anxious. And that is where the serenity prayer comes in. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. I know that for the first couple of years, I would say this prayer and it made no sense to me. But now, it's honest to God, the one thing that I go to. And I've heard so many other addicts and alcoholics say it too. There is nothing that we don't think of when we're scared and fearful. And that serenity prayer is, it's beautiful. It's perfect. It is the one thing that I believe releases me of my fear. And when we get down to the nitty gritty of it, alcoholism and addiction is not about substance abuse, guys. It's not about the pill. It's not about the drink. It's not about what we need and how many ounces of Jack we have every day. It's not that. We have an ungodly amount of fear. Did you hear that? Ungodly. Because fear is not in the same place that God is. When we are drinking and using, we are simply covering up whatever physical or emotional ailment we have. We suffer from a spiritual malady that expresses itself through fear, delusion, anxiety, and that turns into an outward consumption of substances. And when we stop using, that is when we have to start living life on life's terms, and that can be scary. That can be very scary, but I promise you this, you are not alone. I promise that whatever you are going through, someone else has gone through. And now that we are two and a half years into this pandemic, I sincerely promise you someone else has gone through what you've gone through. And I really think that it would be a disservice to yourself if you continue to allow fear to run your life. The more you isolate, the more you stay, the more you are firm in that position of fear, the less opportunity that God has an opportunity to come in and help you. He might be carrying you right now, but if you allow fear to run your life at some point, there is going to be a breakdown. And I don't want that for you. So be honest. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with your sponsor. Be honest with people you love. Let us know what your fears are so that we can be there for you. Again, I am not saying that I do not have fears. I have fears, you guys. If I could be so honest with you and tell you some of the things that I have gone through in the past couple of months, my fears are so, like, voluminous. There's there's tons. But the important thing is, is that I know that faith and fear can't live in the same house, and so I choose faith over fear every single time. And it's not easy. Because our addiction, our pain, our fear is so on point. It's out there doing push-ups in the parking lot, y'all. And I love when my old-timers say that. It's waiting for me in the parking lot. I'm going to leave this room and it's going to be out there waiting for me. And yeah, it is. It's out there waiting for you. So just don't let it win. And if you need anyone to talk to, I am here. If you need someone to understand what you're going through, I'm here. Don't be allowed to have your fears 
ambush you. You're better than that. You have come so far and I am so proud of you. I'm so proud of you if it's one day. I'm proud of you if it's three weeks. I'm proud of you if it's 10 months. I'm proud of you if it's 22 years. I am so, so proud of you. Don't give up. Don't stop. And until next time, fam, be well. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of A Sober Girls Podcast. I hope that today's episode was something that you needed to hear today and can carry with you throughout the week until we get together next week. I really look forward to our time together and sharing my experience, strength, and hope so that you feel less alone and more empowered to keep taking it one day at a time. Don't forget to check us out on Twitter and on Instagram at a sober girls pod and on our website at a sober girls podcast podbean.com. There you can find episode specific content and contact information. You can also hear us on Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Apple iTunes, and Spotify. Until next time, fam, be well.